how do you decide what is true? You know, we live in a world of news. We have perhaps more information than we have ever had in, in the whole of history. The power of the internet means that there's not much that we can't find an answer to fairly quickly. I don't know if you're like me at all, but you know, somebody will ask me a question. I think, oh, I don't know that. Out will come my phone and a quick type and a question and suddenly there's the answer. But, of course, not everything is accurate. How do you know when something is true or not? Uh, and perhaps this was brought home to me, particularly on April Fool's Day this year. I, I do like, you know, they put all sorts of April Fool's stories in the newspapers and so on. I, I do quite like trying to work out what they are. But I've got four stories for you here that appeared on April the 1st. Uh, your task this evening is simply to tell me, are they true or false? So here's the first one. British Transport Police have announced plans for a ban of the eating of smelly foods, including egg and fish, on trains, with potential fines of up to £2,000 proposed. Uh, a second one here. A report was in the newspaper of a complaint by a Nigerian politician who was saying that too many Nigerians were ordering pizzas from Britain and having them flown 4,000 miles on BA flights as status symbols to Nigeria. Here's another one. Um, a report on how the US military is turning to fish and other sea creatures to help them monitor enemy activity. Uh, apparently scientists want to employ the sensory abilities to pick up signals that might be missed by conventional technology. And a final news story on that day, a report on how new technology will soon be released that is perfect for busy dog owners. Apparently, you know, the drones that there are, you're going to be able to buy a drone with a leash control on it that will take your dog for a walk. Uh, which of those stories were true? They all sound true to me. They all sound true to you, Alan, yeah. I have to tell you, two of them are not. The Nigerian one is true, yes. There are Nigerians who are flying pizzas 4,000 miles. You'd think they'd be cold by the time they arrive, wouldn't you? The American story, the one true? Yeah, that is true as well. So the, the American um, US military turning to fish and other sea creatures to help them monitor enemy activity. Those two are true. The other two weren't true. But actually, I'm amazed how often you read news stories and you think, can that possibly be true? You know, in a world of fake news, and we hear a lot about fake news, especially that which is put up with stories that just aren't true, how are we supposed to tell which is which? In fact, I quite like the Daily Telegraph April Fool's Day uh, report. It said that April Fool's Day gags are to be banned in the UK because the public can no longer tell the difference between reality and farce. <laughs> and actually, I think there's something in that. Because sometimes truth is stranger than stories that are made up. And of course, actually, this isn't something that is new for us today. That goes back throughout history. How do you work out what is true or not? And we have that issue that precisely comes for Thomas. Here he is, uh, 
as one who is not there on resurrection day. Uh, and the Bible tells us that, uh, uh, to use one account, to use Luke's account, that some women went to the tomb uh, and there were two men there who were dressed in bright shining clothes and uh, they said, why are you looking for Jesus here? He's not here, he is risen. Uh, and so they went from that place and told the other disciples. And it's fascinating what it says in Luke's Gospels. Um, the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Well, it would do, wouldn't it? You know, you go to a tomb where you know Jesus is laid and they come back and tell you that it's empty and that Jesus has risen from the dead. People don't come back from the dead, do they? So they thought that it was nonsense. And then that evening, Jesus comes and appears to them. We're told just before this account in John's Gospel, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Uh, and then our, our reading today started with this, that now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He hadn't had the opportunity to see Jesus. He just heard the report. How is he supposed to know whether this is true or not? Maybe the, the others are just caught up with wishful thinking. How do I know? How can I believe it's true? If we played a word association game for names of the disciples, uh, we might come up with things like Peter, the rock, uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, yeah, uh, Judas, the betrayer, yeah, uh, Thomas, we might know as doubting Thomas, <coughs> excuse me, yes, Thomas, we might know as doubting Thomas. So, that's what I want to think about tonight. <coughs> Doubting Thomas. And this issue of doubt. You see, in faith, we often think that faith and doubt are opposites. You know, faith and doubt, if again we were using word association, we kind of think more like hot and cold, high and low, those kind of things, rather than bread and butter, um, jelly and ice cream. Tom and Jerry, those kind of things that go together. And yet what I want to suggest tonight is that actually quite often faith and doubt do go together. Uh, and actually the important thing when we recognise that people do have doubts is that we deal with doubts well. That's the issue. It's dealing with it well. Not that people don't have doubts when they have faith, but dealing with them well. That's the all important thing. Uh, and that's what I want to explore just a little tonight in the time that we have together. So the first thing that I want to look at is um, where the doubt starts. Uh, and I think for Thomas, the doubt starts because he missed out. Yeah, he wasn't there with the other disciples on Resurrection Day. We don't know why he wasn't there, but actually he isn't one who gets to see Jesus and put his hand on the wounds. That's what the others had the opportunity to do. He showed them his hands and side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Thomas didn't get that opportunity. 
He was asked to believe something he hadn't seen. Uh, and that was hard for him. That's where it starts, with missing out on an experience. I, I wonder how many people's doubts in God start by the feeling of missing out. Perhaps it's that feeling of missing out on the experiences that other people seem to have. Everyone else seems to be getting their prayers answered. Everyone else seems to be really enjoying worship. Everyone else seems to have great confidence in God. But I can't get it. I'm not, I'm not quite there. I'm missing out. Uh, and doubts creep in. Why should I be missing out on these things? when others get them? Why does God seem to speak to some people so clearly, but not to me? I'm missing out. I think missing out can happen in other ways as well. Missing out can happen just in life generally. Sometimes people feel, I'm missing out on things in life. Lots of different examples we could use. I'm missing out on, because I'm not married and other people are married. Missing out because I haven't got children. Missing out because my children don't behave like other people's children. Maybe it's got nothing to do with children, but it could have. Maybe I'm missing out financially. I'm missing out with jobs. I'm missing out with promotions. All these kind of things. Other people seem to have them, and I'm missing out. And maybe I pray for these things, but I don't see the answers that I want. And it comes back to the fact that other people are getting answers of prayer, and I'm not. I'm missing out. How do I handle that? How do I handle it? I mean, what a great story Alan shared tonight about the window cleaner and praying for his mother. That's great. But what about those people who pray for someone else uh, and those prayers don't seem to be answered? I'm missing out. Uh, and my doubts begin. Doubts can begin because either I question whether God is actually good or not. God, are you listening? Are you able to do something? Why aren't you answering? Or, or sometimes people end up by doubting uh, God's very existence. If God really did exist, surely he would do something. Doubt so often starts with missing out. Uh, and maybe we ourselves can find in different situations, it can feel like we miss out on something. Uh, and before we know it, you know, it's kind of, God, where are you? It, it can bring us to that place of doubt. Maybe, maybe it's not doubting God, maybe it's doubting ourselves. How do we deal with that? Uh, I love the fact that we can, we can just so easily rush over this. Um, but this is what we hear. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Thomas was with them. You see, what can happen when people doubt is they start separating themselves from those who haven't missed out. You know, Thomas could have said, oh, look, they believe all of this thing. I don't believe it. I'm not going to be spending time with them because I don't believe it. Maybe he could have thought, I don't belong there. I, I don't belong with them. They all believe this, but I just don't. So I don't belong with them. And he could have separated himself. One of the great sadnesses I find is that there are people in church life who, who have doubts at different times. Uh, and the sadness is some people take themselves away from church fellowship at the times where they have their doubts. Because what happens for Thomas is he keeps meeting with the other disciples, he keeps meeting with those believe, who believe, and what happens? There comes a moment where he doesn't miss out. He's there and, and God reveals it. Well, Jesus reveals him to himself in the perfect way for him. 
Uh, and what I want to say to people and encourage people, and I know many of you are faithful here and keep walking the walk for many, many years, and it, but to just hear this again, actually, if we have those moments of doubt, doubt is a part of faith, let's not separate ourselves from believers. Let's keep meeting together. Because it's actually in the meeting together that we give the opportunity to God to reveal himself to us again. And Thomas has this wonderful moment where where Jesus does reveal himself uh, and he says, my Lord and my God. Suddenly he's in the same place as the others. He's no longer the one who has missed out. Uh, And actually what I want to say to people here is, if you feel like you're the person who sometimes misses out on things in faith, keep the faith, keep coming, and that moment will come as we give ourselves to God where we discover And we're no longer the ones missing out. We're the ones who experience. The second thing that I want to think about a little bit is how do we react to those people who have doubts? How do we react to those people who have doubts? I I like there's a Greek myth about a god Apollo who had many magical powers. And uh, one day he visited a temple in Troy and saw a beautiful young priestess called Cassandra. And uh, he offered her, as legend goes, a deal. Uh, in, In order for her heart, he would give her the gift of being able to see into the future. Uh, And she agreed. Uh, And as she looked into the future, she saw that Apollo was responsible for destroying her beloved Troy. And so she went back on the deal. Now, Apollo was very angry about this, but one of the things, again, about his powers was this. He couldn't take the power for seeing into the future away from Cassandra. All he could do was add to it. And this is what he added. He said, she could still see into the future, but nobody should ever believe what she said. Uh, And so one day, not long afterwards, she saw uh, the Greeks give a horse. And she believed, she knew that inside were hidden Greek warriors, which she told them. But nobody, of course, believed her. How does it feel not to be believed? I wonder if you've ever had that experience, maybe of sharing something with someone and they just look at you in disbelief. I can't believe that. Now, it depends what it is. But sometimes there must be great heartache when somebody just doesn't get it. You know, for Cassandra, when her beloved Troy, she knew it was going to be destroyed. She could tell people it was going to be destroyed. She could tell people how, but no one believed her. How do we deal with people who doubt what we are certain is true. How were the other disciples towards Thomas? They might have been in the week, oh, Thomas, just come on, believe. We've told you we wouldn't make something like this up. You're so frustrating. Come on. They might have been like that. I, I suspect they weren't because the fact is that Thomas was still with them and still meeting. But perhaps more important of what we do know is not about how the other disciples treated Thomas, but how did Jesus treat him when he came back? Isn't it wonderful? Jesus comes and stands amongst them and he says, peace be with you. He doesn't come and rebuke Thomas and take him to one side and say, Thomas, how could you not believe? They told you. He doesn't do that. 
In fact, what he says to Thomas is, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. You know, he deals with Thomas exactly where he is at. Uh, and I think that's a wonderful thing to hear, dealing with Thomas exactly where he is at. That's what Jesus does for us. He comes and deals with us exactly where we are at. If we're struggling with doubt, hear this and know this. Jesus hasn't got a rebuke for you tonight for that. He wants to come alongside you and help gently reveal himself to you. And for those of us who know people who doubt, you know, it's no restriction on what people can go on to do. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but um, uh, tradition has it that Thomas would go to India from this place. In fact, he's known as Saint Thomas, uh, taking the faith out to a whole new area. You know, his doubting was actually the foreground to his believing and going and serving God. You know, actually doubt can be part of our faith journey. People are not defined by doubt because doubt can help us to grow. And that's what we need to understand because sometimes in our doubting, in our questioning, we ask those questions and actually it prepares us to move forward. And if we didn't ask those questions, we might remain stuck. Thomas comes to that point where he says, my Lord and my God. He knows he's ready to die for his Lord now. It changes everything. Well, there's a lot more I could say about this passage, but I'm going to stop there. Just, um, there's a Peanuts comic strip, Charlie Brown, talking with Lucy. They're on the way home on the last day of school and Charlie Brown says to Lucy, Lucy, I got straight A's in my report. Isn't that great? Uh, and Lucy, who is typically very blunt in her responses, she says, Charlie Brown, unless you show me your report card, I cannot believe you. <laughs> yeah, what do we need Jesus to show us to help us grow in faith? You know, he does amazing things. And actually, we can hear amazing things that people share with us. Are we ready to believe them and to celebrate them and to move forward? What do we need to hear tonight to help us grow in faith? Because I believe that's what Jesus wants to bless us with. Just as he blessed Thomas all those years ago, speaking just the very words that he needed to hear to take him beyond doubt, to help him continue to walk with his Lord. I think that's what Jesus continues to want to bless us with, the word that we need to hear, so that when we go out from here in a little while, we can go out to serve him with new enthusiasm, because we can declare, my Lord and my God. Amen.